Tim Sun. Good good morrow. Hello. Hello. And hello. <laughs> hello. To everyone listening, welcome to Dismembering Horror. 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 <laughs> We're the podcast shoe where we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. We went way, way, way back 20 years <laughs> to 2001 for Ichi the Killer this week. Isn't that right, Tim? Yeah, man. Uh, do you remember life in September of 2001? Yes. It's messed up. I do. <laughs> what an appropriate film. I'm sure all of us. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, historically, evolutionarily, that, yeah, that year, that month that you mentioned specifically was so significant. And I think it's really interesting to look at films from that lens. So I'm yep. glad you brought that out up front. It, it is, I think, widely considered, I would consider it a delineation mark in the way that film and probably a lot of art was presented. Yes. And this film specifically, I'd also file under <laughs> films I've been wanting to see but just haven't gotten around to yet. So that's why it's in our hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> well, we can get into it uh, by starting with the trailer. Oh, all right. Should we do that? Yeah, why not? All right, yeah, great. Let's just jump right in then. Without further ado, here's the trailer for from 2001, Ichi the Killer. Ichi the Killer, directed by Takashi Miike, written by Sakachi Sato, based on Hideo Yamamoto's manga series of the same name. There we go. This is our second film we've dismembered. Ever. Takashi oh. Miike. Do you remember the first one? Uh, was he Tetsuo? No. Uh, Audition. Was... Oh, that's right. Audition. Yeah. I liked Audition more. Me too. I love Audition. This one didn't quite reach that for me, but I thoroughly enjoyed it nonetheless. I didn't. Well, then, would you like to, to say. curtail that into your rating? Would you tell yourself I'm to... borderline and avoid. Okay, I was just going to go over it, but jumping right to it. Avoid yeah. it. Not even stream it. 
I don't know. I found it. Oh God. I there there are multiple sort of elements of reason of like things that I didn't like about it. There are, are things I I enjoyed about it, sh- sure. But like the the gratuity, the pace, and kind of the I don't know if the right word would be like there's kind of a I felt a convolutedness to it that is not sort of supported by clear narrative story. And so I kind of was like, I have literally nothing to hold on to in this movie. And then it's just a bunch of, it's not just a bunch, but then I'm inundated with torture, gratuitous torture. And I just found myself being like, I don't even want to be watching this. So I think I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to say avoid for, for me. Interesting. I, uh, there's, all I needed was just that crux of there is a missing boss that mm-hmm. we need to be looking for to follow anything at all. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I had a hard time. Even I just felt lost. I did too. And that's a lot for me is, you know, when the first time you're watching something that's so all over the place and is in a foreign language and you're just relying on subtitles. But I like that experience too, Mm -hmm. where it like almost helps me get caught up in the world. Like I like feeling a step behind when it's just about the characters so much more for me. Like it comes around. Don't get me wrong. I just like it comes around. And I wonder too, uh, we were talking about, I think in our, our last episode, we got into all these Marvel movie comparisons, mm-hmm. old, the old Spider-Mans versus new Spider-Mans. Mm-hmm. And then we were just talking before this about the Conjuring movies. <laughs> yep. um, and I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting talking to you. I wonder if you have a, a um, or if something's, like this is based on a manga right. or manga. And I think it, I don't know, with something with its roots it in like that. It. Right. I, I wonder if that's something you're just generally adverse to where it's like, this is not at all like the real world, you know? No, no, it wasn't that so much. But I could right away, I was like, this is an attempt to translate from one medium to film. Like translate from, I, I assumed it either had been a, a manga or it was intended to be an animated movie and they made a decision to to go full force and go for the, the live action version and i kept just thinking to myself i was like this to me this isn't working as live action and it would work fine as an animated or as a comic book i and, think yeah you know if I can see that. Absolutely. I almost want to agree with that. But then I, I stop myself when I can't deny how much I enjoyed the performances of everyone and the casting. Hey, I don't disagree with that. And the and then also the like the the visual effects 
And just something about like, oh my God, like that room, they filled with all its blood and guts. You yeah. know, there's yeah, there's something to that. It's in that that pure cinema mm-hmm. lens of just like they're putting this all up on screen. And that and its extremity, I just something about it I always find like cleansing and cathartic in a way. Yeah. And uh I guess for all these things I'm listening now to get to my um, rating pro rating system, telling ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it. I'd tell myself to rent it. Yeah. I kind of thought you'd be right in that pocket. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The, it's look, it's not without merit. Like, there are some really good things in it, like, well done things in it for sure. But I just, I think ultimately the avoid comes from a personal feeling about like how you explore sadomasochism. And maybe I'm just getting old or something like I'm more sensitive or something. I don't know. I just was like, this is distasteful. And I don't mean what they're doing is um, bad or shameful or like whatever. I don't mean distasteful in that sense. I mean, it's not a good taste for my tongue. Yeah. And so I just found myself being like, I'm just, this is not tasty. I think the, the themes brought up by the characters and like... Really good stuff. Ending up with, you know, it's just all building to these two, just, I don't know, the, the, the comparison dichotomy, whatever you call it, between these two main characters, Ichi and Kakihara. Mm-hmm. I just, I just thought that was the greatest stuff. And it's, and that, that's what I mean when I say it came around like what you what the story as weird and disjointed and maybe hard to follow or whatever as it may be. It comes around really, really strongly to that final. Moment. Yeah. So I, I do give it credit for that. But I think that it, well, it was too late for me. I was the, like, I'm two hours and nine minutes in. I'm the uh, <laughs> I was out a while ago. The anticipation of that, I think, went a long way for me mm, and mm-hmm. just sort of the uh getting, I don't know, spending time with them and getting to know them in the meantime, uh, that was all there for me enough. And for me, that's what it was about versus like a sort of narrative of, Mm -hmm. okay, wait, what made them exactly go to these people now? Like, I've just, whatever. I get you. Uh, Great. Well, (laughs) should we summarize? Yeah, knowing it was that kind of film. Yeah, in, in, in a certain way, it's a very simple story told in a very uh, messy way. And messy is, does not denote bad. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, it's all over the place. Yeah. But at its core, let me see if I can get this straight. Because I think it is really hard to follow for the first, like, hour. <laughs> um. But at its core, you have the, uh, what are they called? Hakuza? Yakuza. Yakuza, excuse me. So you've got Yakuza. That's a bunch of different gangs. They all have bosses. They all have various levels of sort of agreement as the crime gangs in Japan. And one gang's boss goes missing. But we 
we we know that he's been killed, right? As an audience member, we know that. Gruesomely killed. And this is so the only way any <laughs> killing happens in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so that starts off two things, two essential storylines. Number one is the sort of first in command or second in command? First in command. What's what, what am I? <laughs> I, don't I don't remember which one first it is. First in command would be the leader. So That's the right. Next so the second in command. in command. Uh the William Riker to our <laughs> the card. The card. Yeah. Anyway, so we've got our uh sorry, not Ichi, uh, uh Kikehura. Um Kakihara. Yeah, that. Um why it's where is it? Where is this name? I need the names in front of me. Nah, whatever. Um so we've got him. All right, Kakihara. So he's determined to root out where his boss is, believing that he's still alive. And his whole through line is based on his own personal sadomasochism. He got the most out of being subservient to his boss that he doesn't want to accept or believe that his boss could be gone. And so he's on this quest, not just for to find his boss, but to find the source of the person who gave him the most pleasure through sadomasochism. So that's his track. Everybody seems to know, or at least learns fairly soon, that the killer is this unknown person named Ichi. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of kind of manipulative twisty people are lying and telling various things um backstabby double crossy type stuff that kind of causes all the yakuza gangs to be at each other's throats so they're like whoever's pulling the strings is sowing the seeds of sort of like strife between the yakuza and and causing chaos but at the same time ichi the killer this unknown entity is killing people from the various yakuza gangs right so and there is someone basically pitting all the gangs against each other which we don't learn till maybe halfway through the movie though we see it at the beginning it's it's like That's it's true. happening but it doesn't really get confirmed yes exactly or clear until later and that person is how do you say Gigi. Gigi. yeah and Gigi, we find out is essentially ichi's guardian i don't think he's his dad he's like a yeah but he treats him more like his own dog or handler right like weird super like ichi is the sort of superhero he's controlling in a way so what we find out is that why and how ichi is what he is and doing what he's doing is that Gigi has brainwashed him into believing a whole narrative about like this sort of really, really um, demented hero complex of you gotta, you've got to go after all of the bullies in the world. Yeah. And he's brainwashed him and like, he says he's like inserted memories into Ichi um, about his childhood that are totally fault, like they're not true, but he's convinced him of these memories that he witnessed um a girl when he was younger being raped and then got shamed for like 
enjoying watching it while also being like horrified by it. Yeah, he was like, he said he was shaking so hard he couldn't move, but then he was also like bringing up the shame of being turned on by it too. And the movie starts with him uh, 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 peeping Tom. Yeah. (laughs) Just bringing it back to another movie we just watched. Yeah, so so if we've got Kikara's through line of sadomasochism and desire to reclaim his source of true pleasure, we've we also you know at the hands of abuse, really in a way that's like how it sort of seems to have been formed. We also have the mirror of that, which is Ichi who didn't have any sort of choice in the, well, nobody, I guess, has a choice in the abuse, but like he was also abused in a sort of different way, leading him to unwillingly seek out the, um, the follow through of the sadomasochism. So he becomes the person who's exerting the sadomasochism and in in and unwantingly enjoying it, where on the flip side, you, the mirror of that is the person who's like seeking it out and not be getting the joy out of it that he wants desperately. So they're they're sort of two ends of or they're two sides of the same coin in a way, and ultimately they meet up and have a, have a fun fight, a rooftop fight. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on, but like at its core, it is sort of this dance of those two characters exploring their sadomasochism. Yes. Great. Well, should we move on then and see uh, what worked for you and I about Ichi the Killer? Sure. All right, here we go. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? To take two words from you, Tim, that I think you use, uh, usually to describe characters we're talking about, nutty and wackadoo (laughs) are two words that came to mind now for me just describing this movie overall and what I loved about it. Absolutely. From the title card forming in a puddle of semen (laughs) to then jumping right into this insanely just awesome filming technique where it's like they they like created a freeze frame but moved the camera during it like you know <laughs> I, that I was the effect know. of it yeah it's weird it's oh god it was so cool and just it being what is now a feeling like old 2001 movie but still mm-hmm. pre you know everything being shot on digital they're really having to do it it's such a cool effect and then the nutty and wackadooness just like you know, pick your example, whether it's the the corrupt twin cops, like, <laughs> in their weird masks. I just, I love those guys. Yeah. They, like, put on the bear ears, the dog ears or whatever. Um, So just, yeah, whatever elements like that. And then just overall, too, nutty and wackadoo. It's not, it's more nutty and wackadoo than it's, like, I wouldn't call it a a dark comedy. Like, it can elicit laughter because of how extreme it is. Yeah. But it's just, it's, what it is is just extreme. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> that could cause laughter. But um, I don't know if that necessarily falls under the nutty and wackadoo I was saying, but just as far as like broad strokes painting, like the overall feel I enjoyed about it um, or tone, it's like... It's over the top. Yeah, I, I love over the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know... Hmm. Like the sheer amount of violence and gore. Right. Just... Well, I actually think that, you know, for a, a a Western contemporary reference point, I think would be somebody like Tarantino, who I'm sure was influenced and, and probably loves this movie. He's a big fan of Takashi Miike's. Right. That course. doesn't surprise me. <laughs> of course, yeah. But if you watch something like Django Unchained, you get this sort of similar component of the gratuity is is cartoonish in in its execution right like when somebody gets shot it, you know there's a blood pack that's just way way over the top it's humongous and a person shoots across the room when they get shot yeah. right like it's super super stylized over the top and like big and this had that same kind of feel right like everything is way way pushed to its limit right like even just the contraption that ichi has for the the heel blade that is what he uses to kill people right (laughs) we are we we have to uh, accept that right away it's completely defying the laws of physics right like it's not that big of a blade and yet it's cutting people in half right it's probably only what like would you say maybe that thick Mm -hmm. four, four inches at the most and yet it can cut entirely through a human body, right? We just go, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. It's like we, they, they present this extreme reality and you better just get on board. I think. <laughs> and yes. Like what else are you going to do? And if you do, I think you have a great time. And, and I think a way that helps me, that helped me get on board as I look at this is, um, not necessarily comic book roots, even though it is literally that, but more so like it's the the crime like pulp thing. Yeah. Like yeah. if something and then for me it's like the the two prongs then from the crime pulp genre, let's say, are the more like brooding noirish side. And then this, the like extreme violent side. There's the gun fu side, mm-hmm. you know, all mm-hmm. that. Um, but I I don't know. It's like the way, I don't know. I'm not into like this, the like the departed really or stuff that's like the more like trying to keep it in reality yeah. crime things. I just sort of, I don't know. Like, um, isn't the, the departed is based off of a famous yeah Japanese so, crime film? I forget if it's So it's Japanese, funny, but, even though it is real. Maybe that's, I haven't seen it since theaters. I'm, I'm just like, what would be, I can't think of an example, but. Basically, like, if something is going to be about crime gangsters, whatever, whatever, I want some sort of stylistic extreme mm-hmm. on top of it, typically. Um, if not, like, what I loved. Um, uh, the Irishman, though, like, I guess as an exception, I love just because it comes from a modern, like, self, uh, mm. self-aware perspective that I like. But, yeah, just the extremeness of the style. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just so yeah. on board with it. It's like, yes, yes, do do more that's what we're here for and 
I don't know, at the time and even now, it's just, it, it's, I don't know if it's any less extreme, you know, nowadays too. Like it's, it's, and like sort of what we talked about up front, it feels so of its time yeah. in a lot of way at that juncture in history. I, I just said a lot of different things there. But. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, sorry, it's not a, it's not Japanese. It's a Hong Kong film called Infernal Affairs. Um, is what The Departed was essentially a remake of. Um, but anyway, I agree with you. I There's this... Uh, which part I know I said I know, a few different I, things. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is the kind of of its time element that like, I don't think you can make this... Well, you... Hmm, it's weird because we're now kind of looping back around 20 years later to you could make this movie almost exactly the same, I think. And it would be like homage to this era. And you could use almost exactly all the same filming techniques and have the same level of sort of not, I don't know if you would call it low budget, but of the time budget sort mm-hmm. of constraints, like in term, especially like there's that one scene when Ichi goes in and kills like 30 dudes. <laughs> yeah. And it's so like kind of, hokey like computer computer graphic i mean there's that one where like, he slices the guy right down the middle and it's like he cg splits apart but for some reason i i right. love that usually i hate that but it's just so silly like that's that's sort of what i'm I saying do is love like it. we i remember when that stuff i was it it actually feels more to me like a movie of 1996 than anything like that my end of high school sensibility is what this movie feels like it like i was i think my 17 18 year old self would have been like oh (laughs) this is it this is the shit but like only because at that time in your life you're learning to be exposed to extreme things Mm -hmm. for the first time and it's titillating because it's it's shocking and it's new and all that stuff. That's why I say now I'm like really not into it because it's not novel. It's I'm kind of like, that's not what I'm looking for in, in films. Mm -hmm. So there's this, it's just different. Like I'm a different person. No, I agree. It's, it can be of its time in a bad way too, where it's just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's interesting though, because it, in, in its own right, it kind of works. It's weird, I think, because this to me, this is something that right now some kid could be putting out on YouTube. Yeah. Right? Like made it in home with his pals. Like they could make almost exactly this movie, I think, with because we have the technology to do it, but it would it would be an homage thing. And I feel like it prop like in some ways that stuff exists. What am I trying to say? The effect that this type of filmmaking had on the generation that watched it and now 20 years later, I feel like its impact still exists, but in a different medium, like the YouTube or the independent sort of small college realm. Right, where it's like, I mean... I guess it's it's sort of hard. We're talking now as if like we want to come down to a point and maybe that's 
it's it's hard because 20 years ago is both a long time ago and not long ago at all. So it's right, like there's right. it, you can't really argue one way or the other. No, I know. But I I guess as an example though of how it how um it's indicative of the time. I thought this was really interesting. It was pointed out in a a YouTube video uh <laughs> from the channel Cinema Nippon. It's called Ichi the Killer and Moral Ambiguity. And they brought up Actually, it was interesting. It was a Japanese person who sort of first published the idea of video games leading to violence and like corrupting the youth, yada, yada. I just rolled my eyes really hard. (laughs) So, and that's an element though in this movie where Ichi is just like, he coddles himself in a blanket and plays like Street Fighter or whatever, some, you know, violent fighting video game. Um, so it's, it was really interesting. They brought up and I'm like, oh yeah, totally. How Ichi is almost the distillation of like the older generation's worst fears about like their, their imaginary, you know, like who they picture when they buy into all this, like video games are corrupting the youth. (laughs) You know, it's the video games to blame. How Ichi is like the poster child, uh, for, you know, something that is made up and imaginary, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. The, it, it, I will say the the entire movie does feel if you <laughs> you got to wade through the surface gratuity and and sort of like shock nature of a lot of it to get to this thing that is I think really fundamentally or foundationally underneath, which is this deep commentary on abuse on sadomasochism uh on like what would you call it sort of what you're talking about the the cultural view of the youth um there's a bunch i mean it gets a lot into repression and closing off darker sides too right which you know i'm certainly not well versed in this but it seems like a fairly common thematic thing in japanese filmmaking yeah um and we talked about it a number of times this the repression element is just so strong and so you have ichi embodying that i think is just endlessly fascinating because like here's ichi who's closed off his dark side whatever his his animal urges all that yet he is the one who is even more unhinged than a character who we can't imagine anyone being more unhinged than. Right. Like that and that's just so feels so uniquely Japanese too, as far as a way to get at these crazy extremes that yeah. I just it's it's just the greatest thing. That's for actually me. a really interesting distinction. So Ichi is the product of external repression. What do you mean like, external? He's he's being externally manipulated by Gigi and like brainwashed into believing in this shame spiral. Mm -hmm. And everything he does is actually motivated from his reaction to being told that he needs to have this shame. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What's his name? (laughs) The other guy. Gigi? No, no, you just mentioned Gigi. No. Ichi uh, Kakihara? Yeah, Kakihara is, is sort of the opposite in a way. He is completely free of shame yeah he does not have it whatsoever (laughs) yeah and no remorse right yeah right 
he's just purely um, exhibiting or or leaning into his desire. And we see Ichi as actually then the opposite of that spectrum too, where he feels so much remorse. He's always, after every time he does the most horrifically violent, murdering 30 people, whatever it is, oh my God, what have I done? Right, (laughs) right. And this thing of like, it's really interesting, the dichotomy that they've created because the shame of literally orgasming from witnessing violence or or being the person who's doing the violence versus the other guy who can't orgasm in no matter how much violence is put on him he still can't get off right and I, so these two people are like they're the same person but like the opposite side of it and it's really i mean to me that's the strength you have to get to the end to kind of get it. But the strength of the story is really the strength of those two characters yep. and their arc. That's, I mean, see, it didn't, it didn't take it needing to get to the end for me, like, to, to explore all that. Like, you know, there's the example where Kakihara, he's like holding himself up with chains and having the woman beat mm-hmm. him. And he's basically like, it comes to... Well, you don't mean it, so it's not the same. <laughs> you know, right. like that's what it requires for him. Uh, I that like, was a great touch. I like this commentary uh, uh, just surrounding how we view pleasure, how we view violence, how we view connection. Like, what are we really talking about, right? Like, we're talking about desire fulfilled or unfulfilled right like a simple thing right like it's the darkest darkest side of this simple thing but at the end of it it's really just about like human connection like you want to have this human connection and that's why kaki kaki uh hara is excited for the end battle like he's finally someone that's going to be a match for me in their extremity you know, and he's he's specifically excited about what that is bringing up in him. So, kind of that's that's what you're saying. It's like it's yeah. getting some sort of sense of um, maybe connection on his part because of that. Yeah, yeah. And and then there's this other thing that I find interesting, especially like it. You know, in the ending, there's this whole thing of like thematically of the loss of innocence and the loss of your youth or your childhood like it's sort of depicted through the (laughs) the the gunman i guess you would call him i forget his name he's the cop who lost his gun and got kicked off of the force and now he's essentially uh, a backup bodyguard for uh kakihara and he has a son and ichi and that son relate at various times, like Ichi kind of helps that kid from being bullied at one point. But in spite of all of that, and in spite of that connection that Ichi and the kid have, Ichi still kills the kid, right? Like, so there's this sort of commentary on like, he, the shame he feels because of the idea of who he is in his youth and like the things that he's done is so strong that he has to kill youth. He has to, like, kill the ch- the child trope as well. 
like so there's this there's all this stuff revolving around his character in this sort of shame thing and the real to me that it's tragic because he it's the opposite of uh kakahara ichi didn't none of that was true it was all an idea that was put into his head much like societal bullshit norms right that gets put into our heads like well, depending on various you know cultures or whatever what i thought was so interesting is isn't that what any sort of um shame or self um deprecation based on like your past isn't that all it really is yeah anyways i thought that was super interesting how by making it so his everything that's you know he's staked on why he's so depressed is staked on his uh what are false memories how it's not really any different as if they were real memories it makes you look at the vice versa of that and right. just, you know, our our own whatevers of like, oh, well, it's just, I don't know. It has a way of illustrating how it just, yeah, it all, it all doesn't matter. It's like, it's, a, it's not quite the past is the past, but like, maybe that is it. You know, you can't, you can't change it. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, right. it's really highlighting something interesting by the fact that it's false memories almost didn't matter. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, there's this element of he's being told that he can, um, how would you put this? He can make up for the past by doing things in the present. And that's killing the bad guys. Right. That's just not how the, that's just not true. Right. You can make up for it. To yourself, right? Like if you feel remorse for something that happened in the past, you can change your behavior. But you can't solve the crimes of the past by exerting, you know, revenge on people in the future. Isn't that like, right? a, like it's a, like memento, right? But isn't that like a a philosophical like <laughs> probably uh, uh, argument or like not not a philosophy, but like the idea that anything we ever do is just like it's some response to some some failing or you yeah. know <laughs> whatever right but like sense yes. of that sense but of it's, failing it's a perversion of that mm-hmm. at the hands of Gigi like he's convincing Ichi that he can make up for his failings in the past by <laughs> by killing bad people in the future yeah. and it's like you cannot make up for it in actuality. It's over. It's done. Well, like those, those, the tragedy happened. It it works so well in this, or I think the only way that can work so well in this, when it's you know that extreme of a response, is how upset and how lost of a cause Ichi feels. And maybe that's where the oh, false yeah. memory thing comes from, is because just when we know it is, when we know it's completely false, it adds a certain level of hopelessness to mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. that. That uh, I don't know that that works well with just his complete and utter feels like a lost cause, you know, <laughs> just <Yeah>. how <laughs> utterly remorseful he is. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna repeat myself here, but I I do I just to reiterate how cool the construct of and the importance of it being a false memory, like a memory that was given to him, is so poignant to me 
because it really does speak to this idea of we are constantly told, especially as kids, uh, a whole set of, of rules and like realities that often when we grow up and become adults, we learn our total bullshit. Well, yeah, I mean, here's that, that you're right. That's exactly it. Like why the false memory, it's a perfect metaphor for like what we say. It's our, our faults are just stories we tell ourselves, which is, you know, a false memory is an equivalence <laughs> kind of, you know, way to illustrate that. Because if it had really happened, it changes, like to E.G., if these things, his memories, those things had really happened, it changes the whole dynamic. It changes it to an internal, he believes it's an internal struggle in the movie, and it's, it's actually an external battle with the person who's giving him these false ideas. Mm-hmm. So that's really an important construct. If it were his actual memories, the puppeteer, Gigi, who's sort of, I think, almost a proxy for society, that whole element goes away. Right. And then and then we're just left with a, a dude who's, he's just sort of, he, he becomes too much actually like uh, Kakihara. It's just... It's just this is a little complicated. This is why it's complicated and why (laughs) maybe going in circles a bit, but like even uh, even if the thing happened in actuality or not, the stories you're telling yourself are no matter what, those are the things that aren't true in a way, you know? Right. It's the lie that we tell ourselves. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if that's what I was getting at with it's sort of it's incidental whether it's uh, a false memory or not. Incidental to him. Right. But from a metaphorical standpoint, I don't think it's incidental for the story. Mm. I think it makes the story more poignant. Yes. Is yes, my point. Totally. By having it be this kind of metaphor for a broader societal reality which i think is very cool yeah and it's done it's wrapped up well with the the gg character because we don't really get a sense of his motivation he's just sort of so steadfast in his way he he is a good representation of like this is how the world is oh my god and i loved his uh strong man reveal was so funny he takes off he's like this kind of like older little guy or whatever this whole movie and then he takes off his jacket he's this total like buff arnold strongman underneath so good yeah he feels very much like a um like a he's a oh what do you call it um damn he's like an archetype that i think is you see in in Eastern storytelling a lot of the like, I think in, in Western culture, we usually use this trope of like the demon persona, like the person who's secretly the devil. Mm -hmm. He's like a, a version of that, but it's all, it seems like to me in, in the stuff I've seen that, it's depicted more through this physicality, mm-hmm. hidden physicality trope. 
which I think is really cool. It's like the frail guy. It, it you know the opposite end of the same archetype is Yoda. Right. Or it's right? like though he's super frail but super powerful. It's also like yeah, no, it's the same thing of uh Aramintari, the blacksmith and the devil. Yes. The big monster devil is the quiet timid lawyer guy. That's right. So that that archetype ha- is around. It's like a well, very strong You see how yeah, but you see how that's the equivalent of Ichi's own he seems so like timid and sad and nebbish and all that. Right. Yet he contains more power, let's say, an unbridled right. power than uh, than Kakihara, who's the one who's the more tip. Okay, he's the clear yeah. out in front, wears it on his sleeves, bad extreme guy. Yeah, it's sort of. I think maybe there's something in wrapped up in there of like the. Oh, outward physical strength is is sort of a is kind of like a, a bullshit thing. Well, I, I, think I don't know. It's, it's always it's an interesting. I mean, this gets into character, and I think why again why I did really like this movie and comes down to character is you know they always say to write a good character. You know, you want to show so like show the opposite of what we just saw them do. So like. You know, we just described how Ichi, what he is in that way, as well as uh, his overseer handler, Gigi. But even Kakihara, we do get a sense that for how, how like, even though this, the, all these gangs fear him, he seems like extremely sensitive and sad, you know, when <laughs> it comes down to it deep down. Yes, because he's not being fulfilled mm-hmm. and he wants it desperately. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually to me it's it's a little bit of the it's <laughs> this whole movie kind of is just people seeking like love. <laughs> yeah, it is a big old love story is how I see it. Right? And we're just we're on the darkest darkest side of that spectrum. Well, and I mean how what yeah, exactly. So what a perfect uh um context to explore that in then all these rival Japanese gangs, the most extreme of the extreme kind of, you know, people who live in violence. Yeah, yeah. This may be the 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 true sort of like, um, how do I describe this? This is kind of the deeper, powerful component to all gang stories is that, at their core, it's a it's a bunch of people hanging on for dear life, for family and connection and love, but they, for whatever circumstantial reason, believe that the only way to do that is through this environment, this dangerous, violent. You know, it's it's like they can't express or exhibit compassionate love like like soft love it all has to be through the lens of like hardness and toughness and like violence and whatever but they're still seeking out the same shit yeah and i mean it's so clear when you see and this is what's great about movies because then you can see oh and look at a real life example of this too and see oh that is kind of what's happening but like with these gangsters let's say so you just wonder okay with all that you just said what is there 
When, when are they just enjoying each other? When are they just hanging out and showing some kind of, you know, love and connection to each other? Well, like, I guess the most you see that they kind of just sit around in either an office or a strip club <laughs> and just like drink together and have, you know, s- prostitutes around them. Their loyalty so, to each other is like deeper than anything. Like it's so important. Yeah. Right. Like they just, they're, their ways of expressing that are skewed because of all sorts of ideas of like, well, you don't want to be weak. It's right. it's all based. Actually, here's, here's well, sort like, of the I, best I'm way to put it. I'm seeking revenge, so I'm going to kill this person That's because right. I love you so much. That's right. It's all <laughs> the mirror of masculine, like versions of love and feminine versions of mm-hmm. love and gangs and violence and crime and whatever. It's all still love, but it's this this perverted masculine, like extreme <laughs> yeah. masculine version versus the compassionate feminine version of that, which would be like, you know what? I'm going to try and help these other people and like like help them understand that we shouldn't be killing each other. Well, it's just what <laughs> happens when a world, you have a world paradigm where there are groups of people that are divided. Yeah. Um. I just want to say about like them sitting around at the office or the strip club or whatever, like that just illustrates, you see, it's like even then what is probably their most form of just their, of what's supposed to be just clear bonding or enjoying each other's company seems so devoid still of any joy or enjoyment or anything like that. Like they really, they really live pretty horrible lives. (laughs) Yeah. But they, but they care so deeply for each other. That's where they get their uh, their love hits. I mean, there's this really great moment in this movie where I can't remember. It's one of the other Yakuza guys is coming down on uh, Kakihara and and kind of like sticking the sticking the knife in him, proverbial, and saying like, "You you loved your boss so much." And he's like, but not, I'm not saying that you're, you're gay, like you wanted, that you loved him in that way, but you, you still loved him so, so, so much. And you realize that that's what's motivating him is his connection and desire and love for an admir- admiration, loyalty, all of these kind of what we generally would consider positive, uh, you know, traits for this person but the the twist is that the reason he feels that way for him is because actually to further the the positiveness that father figure provided um a thing for him that made him feel good right without saying what that is the perversion of that is that or the twist of that is that the thing he was providing was actual violence onto him like physically hurting him I mean, that is, and that's, I think, was one of my favorite scenes. Right. Was when, I mean, it sounds like it's exactly what you were winding up to, is when he cuts out his own tongue as some sort of proof of loyalty, of, you know, this is my apology of how much I care about the boss and doing well by us all. He says, I will cut out the thing I love the most. Right, because he likes sweets. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what's so fascinating to me is like, and just brilliant construction is that the opposite is true for Ichi. 
he's at the mercy of the father figure in his life beating him. And it's causing all sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kakiura is Kakiara is, is seeking that beating from his father figure. I mean, I just <laughs> it's crazy good. I just don't want to fleetingly mention the tongue cutting out either. Like, I really got it. <laughs> like, it's so it's good when he cuts it. How he, just the details of it too, because his tongue is already pierced, so he mm-hmm. uses the piercing to hold out his yeah, tongue for leverage. very conveniently. Uses like the sword to cut it off, but then just the room reacting is just. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that, that was just everything for me. It's yeah. just. I mean, that that is what's so great about him cutting out his tongue is not so much that in itself, but then everyone's reactions to it. It's just so delicious. And he t- holds up the tongue to the, the accuser boss or whoever. Like, Here you go. Like, I did it. Take the guy it. He holds he's, it for a while. Yeah, and he's just like, <laughs> ah, ah, you know. And that's the thing, too, to see all these, you know, who are supposed to be super, you know, the most tough people around get, disgusted and horrified that's what's so satisfying about it to me yeah now there's so many good details and character moments in this well that kept me going great throughout enough for a rent yeah i mean maybe i'm just maybe i just need to i don't really we'll have a whole section for you to watch it again (laughs) so it's weird but it's not as bad as i think maybe i'm making it out to be give it another 20 years right um so <laughs> I mean I'll, we could go on and on about the sort of the this you know category of of why this movie is good. Well, but just while we're sort of on Kakihara's violent acts, I mean the big <laughs> the <laughs> pursuing potent possibilities, how about you have this guy whose uh sides his cheeks have slices in I, them. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Allowing himself in a, get just the, the comic book way to extend his jaw more and like fit more in his mouth. And he looks monstrous. So the moment, yeah, where he finally does that <laughs> and basically... Uh, he takes the piercings out. Yeah, he takes the piercings out that are just on the sides of his lips and is able to snake mouth open his jaw and bite onto uh, a guy's fist when he's getting punched. I mean, that visual is just like, that's everything for me in, in movies, Tim. <laughs> you know, like... Quite a lot. Oh, God, dude, it was so good. I I can't get over how good that was. Yeah. <laughs> all, of, all of his stuff, all of the torture stuff and the... I mean, yeah, hung, uh, hanging the guy up by you know, uh, new piercings. Yeah, they, they like push it. Hellraiser holding, you know, right. stringing the guy up. And then, is this so like, of course, the scene set up with, um, he's um, deep frying an oil. Dude. So it's like, we know where it's going, yeah. but it just works. Just that, that's very simple, like setup of suspense. Okay, we know he's going to get oil. It doesn't make it any less impactful. It only makes it more cringy and horrifying when that guy on his open, uh, hung, bat, pierced back so, gets oil poured on so him. So much. I, <sighs> You know what? This I this is I think this is why the movie was t- sort of too much for me. To me, this set piece 
should be the pinnacle of of the extreme torture stuff. And it's like in the first 40 minutes. I mean, that's exactly why I loved this. And it's I just think like- I kind of was like, once that scene was over, I was like, I don't know, man. I really started to just... I. There was a point when I, I think I... I felt like we had seen so much movie and I paused it to see how much was left because I was starting to feel like this is a lot. And I was an hour in and I was like, damn it. Well, but that's, that's exactly what I mean. What's to love about it is just any, (laughs) you, you have this scene, which would be a pinnacle moment in you know, violence wise and maybe another movie, but it's just another scene in this one in a way, you know, like, that that is its sort of baseline. That's, I mean, that's just what I appreciate and love so much and can find it uh, uh, perversely cleansing in a way. Just like, yes, extremes, just get it out there. It, it feels like it's, 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 act, it's like uh, a scream therapy or something. It's, it's just, it's great. Yeah, it was too much for me, I guess. My delicate sensibilities. I mean, also, we're, this <laughs> is know. like we're well, this is a horror movie pod. I mean, I know. we just watched angst. Like, look at all the crazy, extreme stuff we've watched. Like, I kept trying to think, like, why was this so off-putting to me versus other things that we've seen? And I honestly don't. Well, we have. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do you was, want to try to answer that more and move on to our next section? Um. Yeah. Before we do. Um. I mean, any more on the big finale then? I mean, that was uh, great. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kakihara piercing his eardrums out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the big, the big ending is actually quite strong. Even though I was fairly, like, not checked out, but I was really exhausted by the end. <laughs> and to have a movie exhaust you, right? See, that's, I don't know, that for this kind of movie, that feels like a plus. So him yelling, this is amazing, as he's falling. Oh, yeah. That kind of sealed the, <gasps> the ending for me. I was like, all right, okay. Like, I get it. I get what they're, what they accomplished, what they were trying to accomplish. Like, I was like, I get it. I, I, I agree with this movie, right? Like, I agree with the thesis of this movie. I didn't like watching it that much, but I agree and think it's a success from that point of view i do get so how there you go. that specifically feels like a tim friendly moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so oh, i did I, I knew there was a term for this um the 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 cutting of the cheeks like that has a has a name it has various names but it's sometimes referred to as the chelsea grin or the glasgow smile or the chelsea smile um, I guess there was a period of time when it was sort of um in vogue <laughs> in the crime world to to do that as a punishment um well, to, to cut people cheek to cheek. I mean, uh, I have more on that save for things of note. Oh, great, great. So, okay, anything else that worked? I mean, I guess to wrap it all up, you to look. You can look at it from this sort of. If I can step myself back, the fact that I had the visceral discomfort 
reaction that I did speaks to the success of what they're trying to do and and the depiction of this gratuity. Like it was successful. And so in that sense, it did work. It worked on me to make me go, this is a lot. And then I had to sit and think about why. And that led mo- to to all of the sort of previous conclusions that we made about the actual story and the metaphors of character arc and, and such that we arrived at. But when we were, when I was watching it, I was not thinking about those things. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, so I I just think it's funny how you keep using the word gratuitous. Now, is that because of like, let's say, like you know, when there's when he kills the woman and she's basically fountaining blood out? Is it the fact that he killed her, or is it the fact that she's fountaining the blood? Where is it's it's the depiction of the violence. So, so, so in that Kill Bill sense correct. of just the blood gushes out. Correct. That you know, I guess this is there's my, so much. This uh, is, <laughs> there, it's not just like one or two scenes where that happens. Yeah, it's in almost every scene. I think that's the thing is that it is just pounding away at you. I think that worked for me. I can file it under the section. I'm trying to think why though, and I can't think of anything beyond right now other than just then it's. It just is style and it is practical, like a practical effect on screen. But then it also worked with CG for me. So I don't know. It's just, maybe it's, it just, because it's, if the, if the whole movie is just an exercise in extreme, then it's just another facet, another way of doing that. Like, sure, you have amount of kills, um, depravity of the kind of kills. Why not the, the physical aspect of the, the blood or the, you know, it's just fits right with it. I, I don't know. It's, I, I wouldn't say gratuitous when it's like, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, it, it it's yeah. doing what it's doing. I mean, look, I, well, let's move on <laughs> to our next section. And I'll say exactly what I'm about to say. Great. Then here we go. Our next section, what did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) I, from a sensibility point of view, am much more willing to watch violence depicted in, an, in a what I would consider a gratuitous way when it's when it how do I even say this damn it oh, I can I can express the version that I don't want to see I do not want to see people taking pleasure in torturing other people I don't want to see it I don't like it I just don't like it. So like Reservoir Dogs, that year cutting off scene? Mm, No, I mean, but that scene is singular in that movie. So Mm -hmm. like I can get through, I find it very difficult to get through. Motel hell when they're burying people to eat them. Yeah, that that's lame. I mean, it's cool in what it is, but it's not. It's not evoking in the same way. I'm talking about like watching the slow 
prolonged torture of somebody. And it happens multiple times throughout the movie. Whereas the other gratuitous stuff, when it's when it's Ichi, like he's just slicing, <laughs> slicing and dicing, that doesn't bother me. There's I a don't prolonged know. rape scene bothers me. And there's a there's three in there. So to me, there's this for it's a sensibility thing. Mm-hmm. I just my tolerance or my willingness to sit through repeated depictions of prolonged torture, in, in particular the torture where the torturer is like really enjoying it. I'm out. Like it just that's my limit. If it's if it's people slicing and dicing, if it's a slasher doing his thing, like whatever. Fine. I can that that doesn't bother me. I kind of find it fun because it's it feels absurd in a way. Whereas the torture stuff feels too too real and too upsetting. Mm-hmm. It, but to your point, when it's done when it's done like once in a movie to really define a character, fine. I guess it was just so repeated nature of it that's in this movie that was really what kept me from getting like wanting to get through it. I was just able to look at it still as just being so rooted in the characters doing them. Like this is their world. Like they've normalized this. Like I'm not talking about yeah. I'm not talking about story. I'm talking about the what it it evokes in me. No, I I know. I'm and I'm just trying to then think of what overrides that for me. Yeah. (laughs) You know. So that's really, I mean, to me, that's... Because, like, I I couldn't say I enjoyed it, you know? And I don't think that was the point, necessarily. No. It's just, it's it's shocking and it's horrible. And I don't know, I guess that's what I wanted from this movie in some crazy Look, everybody way, has know? their limits, right? Like, yeah. some people can't see blood for even a second. Yeah. Right? It, it, Show they, them this movie. Yeah. They have a immediate um, nervous system response. I mean, my buddy, if he sees pain, if he sees somebody experiencing any sort of level of pain, he will start to pass out. It's amazing. Yeah. YouTube, uh, make a video of him uh, watching this movie. He told me the story. I can't remember what movie it was, but I think it may have been 127 hours. Where he like he was he could feel himself passing out in the theater. Can he like not watch any movie then? <laughs> like, well, you know, he's got his limitations. So, I mean, he must only be firing up Disney Plus. Like, what? <laughs> There's literally nothing else. You, you know, can watch. no, that's not true. That's true. Even in- that would be too much. The Marvel movies, you no, know? no, they don't do this thing in the way that like somebody having to cut through their arm and hit the nerve <laughs> is. Not equatable to a Marvel movie. Like, come on. No, you you start off saying someone in pain. Any pain? No, but I'm yeah. To to us, I'm 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 not I'm 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 underselling. I guess. Okay. So like when he he's one of those people. He said like when he got he was like he knew the story because it's a true story, and he knew it was coming, and he was like, I better start to get up to leave. I think this is how he tells the story. But he like start he like got halfway up the aisle during that scene and started to f- completely pass out. Like, it's that Jeez. intense. So, so it sounds for you that that is less something that... Like, can you agree, like, how it fits it for this movie? Because it sounds like you're more saying not that it didn't work for the movie, but that it didn't work for your enjoyment 
of the movie. Primarily. But also you yes. wouldn't want to change it because then. Well, I think what it does is it may, it it brings up the question for me of why. And do we, in order to, does this movie need that at the level that it's at to be successful as a movie? I mean. And it, I don't know that I like that's yeah. just where I start to go it, to want like you it know, absolutely does wander. for me because without it, I don't think like I would have made the connection of just how sad and devoid of all things good their world is when they're like sitting there depressed at the strip club, you know that's fair, but my question always comes back to. How much do we, the audience, need to see to still get that message? And I, maybe this is an old-fashioned point of view, I don't know, but I tend to lean toward not showing it in camera can often be much more effective. Not always. Right. But there's, because human beings do have their limitations, (laughs) And there's a spectrum of that. Yeah. I are, just, you, are we compelled as filmmakers to monitor and or mitigate the amount of gratuity to retain a larger swath of the viewing audience and well, to not alienate them? I don't... I mean, that's up to the filmmaker. Right. I mean, I... I'd say, I don't know. I just hate that as a one way or the other thing. Like, I think it totally depends on the movie and what the movie wants to be. Like, it's not a rule one way or the other. No, I definitely... It's a a a question to have in mind when asking what is this film trying to be when you're making it. I just shot a movie that has in-camera violence. Yeah. Right? But it's, it's, you know, probably going to be an eight-minute long movie with, like, one aggressive fight and one singular in-camera kill, let's say. I just think this movie was so... Whatever it's doing, it's so dependent on like... Or it it was only helped, not hampered by sustained excessive on-screen violence. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is all a question. It's not a condemnation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It brings up this, this debate for me, even just internally, of like, what is too much? Is there such a thing as too much? And then if there is or isn't, (laughs) where is the line where you cross over to too much ceasing to be too much? Like, because I think that happens. It certainly happens in comedy, right? Mm -hmm. We know that if you lean in on a joke, even a bad joke, but keep pressing on it at a certain point, the laughter or non non laughter comes back around because of some weird thing that just exists in us <laughs> where it's like, that's a bad joke. But if you keep saying the punchline, eventually we start laughing again. Like why? But we do. So there's sort of an absurdity like crossover level. I mean, that's the word for it. Absurdity. Yeah. Right. And so my, I kind of, I think this is something that's always an interesting question to, to explore. It's in horror, 
because we are like we are showing that we are showing the guts how much do we show before it becomes too much and then how much more do we show for it to come back around to not being too much or do we not show anything so that the too much is in your head and i think those are all decisions that you just you have to decide like you got to figure it out for for your movie to your point i agree for this one it was too much for me. I just was like, I don't even want to be here. I don't care enough about the characters, which leads me to my second big didn't work for me. I don't care about Ichi in this movie. I just don't. I'm like not interested in his plight. And I think that's a product of the movie focusing so much more on the other character. Kakihara, yeah. No, I agree with that. Again, at just I guess I didn't have expectations or wasn't wanting that one way or the other. I Again, don't know. Again, I think it's a sensibility issue. I want protagonist connection. <laughs> I just do. Yeah. I like that's just who I, that's why I read books that are first person, you know, male narratives often like that's why i like detective novels because i like imagining that i can i can relate or to some degree put myself in the shoes of the narrator Mm -hmm. and so i thought i I can't do that with this movie i think for this movie level it's (laughs) it's helpful for me when you have these kinds of extremes i think to be able just to be an outside observer and to get any more kind of immediate sympathy, empathy with Ichi, it could have crossed a line in a way that maybe I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but that's just it. It's again sensibility. So, every you know, to me, it poses this interesting. It's kind of the same question as like, how much do you show? It poses this question to me as a filmmaker of like, what what level of interaction or connection do you want your audience to have with with what's going on cuz so you what you're saying is sometimes it's it, it's better to be just an observer and i wonder how many people have that point of view when they go into watching films like, what's the graph? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would like to see the the data on, like, who likes the films that have this sort of protagonist depiction versus that. Or It's this. weird, though. Like, I love both. Right. I have loved both. That's what I say. I'd like to see sort of the arc of those things and see, just it'd be interesting to me. Like, yeah. where do we land with that as, as sort of, and of course, it's going to be changing generationally. It's going to be changing, you know, stylistically. So it's not a fixed thing, but it does. I think that's really interesting from a filmmaker's point of view because, yes, we can all just make movies for ourselves. And I actually think that that's what you should do Mm -hmm. first. But you also do, you you know, it is something that other people are going to see, presumably. (laughs) So it's worthwhile to explore. Well, then that brings up the question of like, you know, there's always, are you, by by maybe making something that has appeal to more people, you're making it have less appeal to less people. 
Like, like See, I wonder. You I don't know. The people who enjoy this will enjoy it less if you had compromised it. I think yes. There's a there probably is some sort of sliding scale, but I don't think it's binary. I think it's this sort of. It, it, it's well, a, that's what I meant. It's a sliding scale. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all over the place, and you know, maybe when you start to try to figure that out you're in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe we should never be trying to figure out. I think it's fascinating to contemplate, but at the end of the day, I'm almost always going to land further on the side of it doesn't matter. I'm going to make the movie that I want to watch and hope that there are enough me's out there or people similar enough to me that will want to see that movie. With this movie... <laughs> Part of me feels like the filmmakers are actually uh, actively pushing in the other direction where they're like, I want to make people uncomfortable, alienate people, be extreme to the point of angering people. And that's not a that's not a criticism I mean, of that. Takashi Miike is prolific. He has words on all this. Yeah, I can I can answer that very question. For oh, you. great. Um. Before you do, <laughs> the only other thing that was sort of not working for me, I guess, is kind of within that limitation of the style of the filmmaking and the time. I hated that camera thing in the beginning that happens a few times. That jarring. Oh, that I said I loved? Yes. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, it's so disruptive to me. And I, I'm like, fine, that's the point. But I just was like, I don't think it's doing anything good uh, for me. It's it's just showing, I don't know, for me, it instantly brought up this like, in any given situation, there's like, can, there's always this like energy being withheld or something, you know, this um, this sheer force. And it was just, it felt like as if the hand of God was just like, picking up our point of view of the camera and just like get shoved over here, get moved over there. So it's like, even though it was just them sitting there or whatever it was, mm -hmm. it's just showing, oh, but there's always this undercurrent of uh, not just violence necessarily, but just extremes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't, it didn't, it wasn't effective in that way for me. I just sort of was like, ah. That's too bad, Tim. You and missed then, out. <laughs> I guess. And then the other thing broadly was sort of what I said at the top. Just there's a disjointedness and confusingness to what's going on for the first like hour of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I that hurts. that hurts my ability to enjoy it because i'm just like dude at a certain point if we don't clarify enough to for me to like have even some sense of what's going on and who's who <laughs> i just i'd rather go do fucking laundry it's funny and i, I mean, don't like doing laundry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i'm someone like you're talking to someone who i really loved watching tenet because i had no idea what was happening i'm like how refreshing to like Watch a James Bond movie where I just can't even follow it. What the hell's going on? Like, I don't, I just, just yeah. I loved it for that. And I mean, I guess I'm this. just a slut for things making sense. 
I like both. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, because there are movies that are completely off the chain that I'm down for. Tetsuo. Right. So what the hell? You know what it maybe partially is? Is how far away from a grounded reality we can get. I'm way more if if we're in outer space already well, from the get go. Yeah, I'm in. But I didn't feel that way about this. I felt like we were still tethered to some something. Some well, that's reality. what that opening camera technique did for me. Is that's that's why from the get go, without that, I would have felt that tether to wanting to be in reality. But mm. that helped immediately. I'm like, oh, we're we're in style land here. If this had been cyberpunk, um, like if it took place in the future, <laughs> like a Blade Runner style, like actual sets, I think I'd be so so much more in. Because I'd be like, oh, we're in another. Re- it's the realm thing. The That's movie what realm. it is for me. How close is the realm to our reality, and and like how blurred are we versus? How far away, like, if we've established that this is a super different realm and it's held up visually, I'm way more likely to be into it. So, yeah, there you go. Great. How about you? Anything? (laughs) No, I mean, I guess it was a little long, but whatever. Yeah. I get like, I think I, you know, when stepping outside of it, I like that because it is just the, the movie where it's like, no, it is about excess, you know? Yeah. So no, I didn't, I didn't really have anything. Okay. I'd, I'd watch it again uh, at some point down the line, probably. Yeah. Cool. Great. Great. Well, then <laughs> with that, we'll move on to our next section. Things of note. No, no, no. This should be interesting. So I was very much echoing, uh, not intentionally at first. I did, you know, I said I did really enjoy uh, the characters and knowing everything was motivated from them and they were fascinating to me, you know, is uh, that's that turns out to be exactly the case of Takashi Miike's approach Mm, mm -hmm. where he says he's not even interested in violence. He doesn't like watching violence. He doesn't like watching movies of violence. He doesn't seek it out. doesn't enjoy it all. But he says it all comes from a place of exploring character for him and like bringing the characters to their utmost extremes. He says, quote, you cannot really deny what a character is about. Um. So my question for him uh, off of that would be, you know, then why so over the top in the violence, let's say. But I think, you know, I think his his answer still answers that. Yeah. Yeah. It is about those extremes. It's not even about the extremes. It's that just the reality of those characters is yeah. that that's who they are. Actually, they it, are extreme it, characters. Extreme by societal norms, right, yeah. But right. I think we all hold extremes and maybe that's why... Mm. Um, that's why I find a certain catharsis in this kind of film. That's interesting. In a way, it's like exorcising our inner character that we stop from doing crazy shit. 
or yeah, doing crazy shit or how, how uh, besides himself and in tears Ichi is all the time or how um, even repressed in his own way um, Kakihara is and just being so monotone in mm-hmm. one note. Yeah. Yeah, because it would be easy to just be like, oh, Kakihara is just a psychopath. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that is true. But there's a really specific reality to what makes him that, how he exhibits it, what his desires are. Like, so I, that's interesting. I mean, I think that puts it more in perspective the why these characters are so kind of interesting and complex is because we're seeing all the we're seeing all the guts of their character. Yeah. So that's cool. I recommend that. I'm here for it. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. So on the slit mouthed uh the, uh, the Glasgow visage, smile. Yeah. That also has its roots and I'm sure was the more direct uh tie for this one in uh Japanese folklore. Mm. What do they call? Oh, yeah, yokai is their word for their monsters and spirits there. Mm-hmm. So there's one called Kuchi Sake Ona. And actually, there is, a, then there's a movie. I don't know if it's in our hat, but there's a movie called Carved the Slit Mouthed Woman. So ah, I've heard of that. <laughs> just like Ichi, our buddy Ichi. Yeah. So there is a specific, it's fun. The Kuchi Sake Ona, there's a specific like, uh, 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 situation, a pattern that it like that that the legend follows. Mm. I'll re- I'm going to reenact with you because they're just it's just a, a sort of a line, a graph of yes or no answers. So Great. just answer opposite. Let's just cover the whole spectrum and we'll answer opposite. Meaning, uh, okay. if you answer yes the first time, answer no the second gotcha. time. Great. And if you're dead, you're dead. Then we restart. So she appears and first asks, "Am I pretty?" Yes. Yes? Great. Then she takes off her mask. You see her, her ear-to-ear slit and says, how about now? No. I cut you in half. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Start again. Am I pretty? No. She kills you with scissors. <laughs> yeah. So we got one more. Am I pretty? Yes. Great. How about now? Yes. Great. She slits your mouth so it appears like hers. Oh, bummer. <laughs> but then you live. Hey! <laughs> so that's... So you're permanently smiling. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just for all our all our listeners out there, should you ever be approached by a kuchisake ona? <laughs> right. Great. Know which way to go. Fair enough. And there's a whole... whole uh, a lot more on their legend here you can dig into. Feel free. So... Did you have any things of note for this one? Uh, no, not really. It was fun. It premiered or at the premiere at Toronto International Film Festival. They gave out barf bags as a gimmick. Oh, no. How many of them got used? <laughs> I don't know. If, can you imagine the theater was just filled of guys like your friend? <laughs> I mean, dude. <laughs> it, would, it would be empty very fast. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, great. Well, just different uh, fun little things. J- uh, the actor who 
do you remember when he cuts off his tongue and like the main boss that he like hands it over to? Yeah, yeah. I've of, seen him in other things. Exactly. For sure. He's in a bunch of things. That's Jun Kunimura, who's the Japanese ghost in the whaling. Oh, cool. Yeah, but he's in tons of movies. Yeah, he looks super familiar. So, shout out to June. Oh, hey, I have a question. Did you find anywhere what the significance of the one on the back of Ichi was? I can tell you that right away, Tim. It's because Ichi is the Japanese word for one. Oh, okay, great. Great. Uh, More fun connective threads that tie into our show and another film we mentioned. Gigi is played by Shinya Tsukamoto, who's the director of Tetsuo the Iron Man. No way. Yes way. And he's got lots of other films, which Who, I've now seen a couple of. Whose buff body did they use? <laughs> it does not say. Because that is not the same person. No. <laughs> which made the effect all that much more fun. You I know. know. It was so yeah. good. <laughs> so yeah, get to see Shinya Tsukamoto in this. And yeah, he's cool. got a... I haven't seen the sequels to Tetsuo, but I've checked out a couple of his other films and uh, talking about more exercises and extremes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think they're worth seeing. Yeah. And uh, the film indeed had not a sequel, but a prequel mm-hmm. called written as like numerical one Ichi. So called either one Ichi or Ichi Ichi. And okay. the guy who plays Ichi actually reprised his role. So he's playing a younger version oh. of himself wow. in okay. like high school or whatever. It's fun. Interesting. <laughs> That's what Noteworthy. we're here for. <laughs> and then this is my favorite. Takashi Miike has cited Starship Troopers as his favorite film. <laughs> Great. Which whenever I watch that movie, I want to say, is this my favorite movie? <laughs> you wow. <know>? Like, <laughs> I think it's so good. I I watched there's a there is a, a I don't know it's a third or fourth one but there's a CG animated one that brings back uh Casper Van Dien as the voice. <laughs> okay. And I enjoyed uh watching that. Cool. That's a that's a, that that wasn't what I had down but just a, a note on Starship Troopers. <laughs> anyway, great, wonderful. Truly wonderful. All right. Well, with that, if that's it for Ichi, should we Wind on down with our recommendations here. Sure. What do you got? Um, you know, since I've done it before, I was playing this. I was playing this album, Carol King's Tapestry. Mm-hmm. It's really good through and through. I'll recommend Ed th- this album. <laughs> Great. What should I recommend, Dead? Hmm. <laughs> and again, that was <laughs> Carol King's. Tapestry. Tapestry by Carol King. You know, uh, did you watch the Heaven's Gate doc? No. It's pretty It's pretty interesting. I, I'll recommend Dead that. It's called uh, The Cult of Cults. Well, Heaven's Gate, The Cult of Cults. Is it a new thing? Yeah, it's fairly new. 2020. I can't remember if That's it was new. on maybe HBO. Yeah. On HBO, it's always safe to assume with cult and true crime docs, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. It's really twisted, and but it's obviously you get a sense of what the hell was going on. Um, it's wild, and if you want to further go down that rabbit hole after you watch this and get even more like in depth sort of like stuff on on Heaven's Gate, last podcast on the left did 
I think a four part, you know, series on it. That's really in depth. Um, so that, that would be supplemental to the, to the doc. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Always like that cult stuff. Sure do. All I right. so badly want to write that movie we were talking about the other day and the space one that I was telling you about. Cult. And like figure out how to weave in cult sort of themes and stuff into it. Well, someday. We'll, we'll tell you, every me and everyone else here, just do it. That's right. That's all we can tell you. Uh, I believe it's my turn to pull from this illustrious hat. It sure is. Get into it. Get that hand right in there. <laughs> uh, a Netflix movie, it looks like, from 2018. Apostle. Oh, man, I've been wanting to watch this. Well, perfect. It's then. Dan Stevens is the actor. He's He's always good, so I'm excited. <laughs> Great. Well, then. For next week, we hope you can join us for Dan Stevens. I'm pretty sure that's his name. Apostle. <laughs> Our big ask is if you enjoyed being here, you tell a friend. But if not, that's fine. All the same. I'm Ryan who McDuffie. Ne- who, who needs you? <laughs> With me is Tim Aslan. That's me. Our mixer master is was Brendan Welch. Hi, Brendan. Great. Well, in closing, uh, whether you're someone who'd use the barf bag at the TIFF premiere of Ichi the Killer or not. We thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>